From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Thursday edition, President Biden's nominee for the Federal Communications Commission is drawing strong opposition from Republicans on Capitol Hill. The tweets were said in my personal capacity. I kind of wish my tone was a little less sharp. I, in fact, I don't kind of wish. I do wish. Uh, and um, it would have no bearing on any proceeding that would come before me at the FCC. That was Gigi Sohn yesterday before the Senate Commerce Committee. We'll get the latest on her nomination from technology reporter Nahal Krishan with the Washington Examiner. It's not just her tweets, though, that are problematic. Her leftist views will break the ideological two-to-two tie that has the FCC deadlocked. Could her confirmation resurrect the fairness doctrine, the means by which the left can go after Christian and conservative radio? We'll talk with Craig Parshall. Special Counsel for Government Affairs at the ACLJ. And what a difference an election makes. Virginia is moving forward as we speak in rolling back big government COVID mandates. We'll talk with Virginia Delegate Dave LaRock about that. And in today's look at Olympics 2022, human rights on ice, my friend and fellow commissioner on the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, Nuri Turkel, joins me with a look at China's treatment of Uyghurs in the light of the Olympics. And frankly, I didn't know they had it in them. The Canadians, led by truckers, are rising up and pushing back on the government COVID mandates, which even has the attention of the White House. We support peaceful protest, uh, but we have concerns when those protests turn violent. And certainly I think it's important for everyone in Canada and the United States to understand what the impact of this blockage is, uh, potential impact on, uh, on workers, on the supply chain, and that is where we are most focused. Don't you love how they throw in violence with every protest? Um, that's the left. That was uh, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. I think I know how all this could be resolved. The truckers would go home, the blockades ended, the supply chain revived. Government could just end their unnecessary and ineffective mandates. If those advocating for freedom were to hold a rally, they would be accused by the left for trying to inspire a January 6th type event. So they have been creative in making a statement. I think it's great, quite frankly. I know it has caused issues for a lot of people, but the government could make it all go away. How much longer might this protest last up in Canada? Well, we'll talk with Tim Norton, a trucker in Alberta that has been at this for nearly three weeks. He'll join us from his truck. And finally, FRC Action was on the ground again today for a candidate training event outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. It was hosted at Trinity Baptist in Mooresville, where FRC's vice president for the Association of Church and Ministries, Dr. Mark Harris, is a senior pastor. He joins us a little bit later here on Washington Watch. From today's Bible reading, we pull the verse, Exodus eleven seven. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. You know, the Lord sheltered his people from the tenth and final plague in Egypt, the death angel, distinguishing between the children of Israel and the world. And here's the good news. God remains a shelter for those who trust and obey. To be a part of our Bible reading plan, go to FRC. Org Bible. And by the way, you can join me for a morning devotional that follows our two-year Bible reading plan Monday through Friday at 8.44 a.m. Eastern on my Facebook page, Tony Perkins. Well, the FCC holds uh, considerable power over broadcast media and their policies often have profound consequences for free speech. 
and who President Biden nominates for the vacancy of agency will have far-reaching consequences because the nominee will be the tiebreaker on the currently evenly split FCC. Gigi Sohn is the person the White House nominated, and here to discuss how her confirmation hearing went yesterday is Nahal Krishan, who is a tech reporter for the Washington Examiner. Nahal, welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks for having me. All right, so tell us about Gigi's background and why this appears to be solid opposition coming from Republicans. So she is a uh, liberal advocate who has been uh, against things like uh, the big tech companies, uh, you know, Facebook, Google, uh, Amazon, uh, Apple, Twitter. And then uh, she's been very pro net neutrality, you know, which is the the principle that the government should be able to regulate Internet uh, speeds and prices uh, like a utility, the way we do, you know, water or gas Um, and uh, you know, she used to be a Democrat uh, within the Federal Communications Commission, where she's a nominee right now, um, about a decade or so ago, um, but then has been a public advocate uh, fighting for uh, more diversity within broadcast and, and uh, uh, television companies and, and fighting for greater access for Internet and broadband access uh, as well. So, yeah, she, 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 she's a left-leaning advocate um, who has uh, a lot of experience within the issues that the FCC deals with. Uh, but Republicans do not like her because of the fact that uh, she has advocated very openly in favor of democratic policies, and it would result in those democratic policies regarding net neutrality um, and uh, broadband rules and expansions that many Republicans are in opposition to. So, Nahal, the fact that she is uh, opposed to or had taken positions that are uh, kind of uh, hard on big tech, I would think that might win her some friends among conservatives. You would you would think so that that is a rare area where, you know, the left and the right come together these days is in opposition oftentimes to big tech and 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 it's, you know, monopolistic behavior or control over speech. you know, or in this case, uh, you know, the, the fact that she uh, is, as you said, the tiebreaker in a, in a five-member FCC, you know, she would be the third vote that would allow the Democrats to have uh, full control um, as, the, as the majority, I think, is, is weighing greater on Republicans' minds. And the fact that she does have, you know, very clearly and openly a, a liberal background and, and track record and... Um, you know, it, 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 it's a it's an ideological difference that that right. Republicans have with with her and her background, whether you know rightly or wrongly. So it, uh, it from all that I'm seeing, the Republicans are in uh, unity in terms of opposition, meaning she's going to have to have every Democratic vote. And right now, you've got a New Mexico senator uh, who is out. So is her nomination going to kind of be put on ice for a while? It certainly seems like it's at least a few weeks away from uh, her passing out of the Senate Commerce Committee. So, you know, in order to become uh, uh, successfully become a nominee for FCC commissioner, she has to make it out of the Senate Judiciary, the Senate Commerce Committee, and then get a vote in the actual Senate floor, after which she can be confirmed by President Biden. But in order to make it out of the committee, uh, Senator Lujan from New Mexico, who unfortunately suffered a a heart stroke and is in uh, getting 
taken care of in the hospital right now. He's expected to make a full recovery in the next few weeks here. So, it, you know, she, she may not make it out of committee and for, you know, another month or so after his return and then maybe uh, following that on the Senate floor. So it doesn't look like she would get confirmed until maybe April or May at this point. Uh, but she does seem to have enough support just from Democrats within the Senate Commerce Committee and then within the overall Senate where she's expected to get support from all uh, 51 Democrats and maybe uh, just one or two Republicans as well. So uh, although the prospects are, are slim and tough right now, it, it seems like she will squeak by in terms of her nomination. All right, Nahal, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, appreciate your insights. Well, while Republicans uh, raise a number of concerns regarding the nomination of Sohn, the uh, to the FCC, there is there's more to it, and the threat she poses is bigger than most are aware. As Nahal was talking about, she breaks the tie, the two to two tie that currently exists with the FCC. And what might the FCC do if it is controlled by the left? Here to tell, talk about that is Craig Parshall. He is the special counsel at the American Center for Law and Justice and senior advisor for legal policy and civil liberty at the American Principles Project. Craig, welcome back to the program. Thanks so much, Tony. Good to be with you. Is this a nomination we should be concerned about? Yes, desperately, deeply concerned. Uh, her tweets came up in the Senate hearing yesterday, and as well they should. Uh, she's called Fox Network, uh, the television network, uh, state-sponsored propaganda. Uh, she's uh, complained about uh, the supporters of Trump. Uh, this was before, uh, or I should say, while President Trump was still in the White House as uh, cowardly enablers. Um, so she's made some very disturbing comments from a partisan standpoint, but I, I'm even more disturbed by her basic worldview and philosophy about broadcast freedom or the lack thereof. Uh, broadcast freedom, you know, has been protected for long enough where a lot of us who are in this area felt fairly comfortable, regardless of who is in the White House, uh, in terms of the freedom of broadcasters to pick content that may be controversial as long as it's not illegal uh, and they're free to be either the conservative, uh, libertarian, or, or liberal or anything in between. But she seems to have a real penchant, a real appetite for controlling uh, content. And that's my concern. If she gets uh, the appointment, uh, if she passes through the Senate, then we have a 3-2 vote. Uh, from a very liberal FCC that will look for all kinds of mechanisms. And I, I'm not talking about the old-fashioned fairness doctrine, because we fought that uh, successfully uh, over a number of years. President Reagan, during his administration, had it disbanded. Uh, but it was a pernicious problem because it basically uh, browbeat radio and television networks not to have any opinion uh, for the sake of running into uh, a regulatory nightmare and uh, hiring more lawyers on their staff than broadcasters. Uh, she can use techniques, Tony, like uh, misinformation as grounds to clamp down on uh, content that she doesn't like, particularly conservative content. And I have no question that that would probably come uh, would become one of her primary positions. She could also use the old public interest doctrine, which is still a part of the FCC law and regulations, as rubric for uh, viewpoint suppression. Again, that she happens to disagree with. I mean, Craig, as you know, kind of Christian radio, conservative radio is kind of the last bastion where the big tech have, has not been able to clamp down. It's not part of the legacy media. I mean, the left is going to come after 
those on Christian and conservative radio. Yeah, there's no question about it. And as I said, she seems to have a real appetite for censorship. She wouldn't call it that. She'd simply say that we are eradicating dangerous misinformation about political, social, uh, and religious issues that uh, foment the population. Well, no matter what you call it, it is a suppression, a violent suppression of free speech. And remember that the FCC is the arm of the federal government. So when the arm of the federal government says we're going to pick and choose winners and losers in terms of what opinions and viewpoints and information comes over the the broadcast airways, we are in big trouble. So folks need to be weighing in with their senators, regardless of their party affiliation. Yes, I would think, frankly, if I were a left-leaning, way left-leaning liberal uh, or a way right-wing conservative or somebody in between, regardless or non-political, Again, if you're in favor of the First Amendment and freedom of speech and free expression, particularly during election cycles, we're coming up to midterms this year, we'd want all the information. Let the voters, the informed electorate, make the decision. Craig Parcher, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us today. Thank you, Tony. And folks, uh, this is a this is a big one. I'm concerned about it because of the fact that we've watched what legacy media has done. We've watched what big tech has done in terms of clamping down on messages like you hear here on Washington Watch. Christian radio has been the platform that, as Craig said, we fought those battles. We've won. Uh, For the most part, it's a free place to exchange ideas and speak truth. But we have to be vigilant. And so I'd encourage you to weigh in with your senators on Gigi's nomination. You can find out more. Go to the website, Tony Perkins. All right, coming up, the Virginia House of Delegates is expected to vote soon on a bill that gives parents the ability to allow their children to opt out of their school's COVID-19 mask mandates. We talk about it next. Don't go away. Are you struggling to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading with an intentional focus of diving deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues. By studying the Bible, we can see the grandeur of God unfold throughout the past. The Stand on the Word reading plan takes you through daily scripture in an engaging manner to help you stay grounded in God's truth. All wisdom comes from God and he has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. With the current division and confusion of our culture, it is so important for Christians to root ourselves in the truth of God's word so that we are prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. For this purpose, Family Research Council launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. The Center applies the Bible and the historical teachings of the Church to current issues. This helps Christians understand and live by a biblical worldview, know why Scripture must be authoritative, and equips believers to advance and defend the faith in workplaces, schools, communities, and the public square. The experts at the center address and provide resources on issues like religious liberty, abortion, voting, marriage, and sexuality. To access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series, go to frc.org worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including blogs, interviews, and publications, 
Sign up at frc.org slash subscriptions. At Family Research Council, it is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've decided to be proactive to make sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. That is why we've created a tech subscription platform. If we get canceled, you can stay informed and still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742, and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to uh, to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right. Um, you know, the White House feeling the pressure over all of their uh, overreaching COVID mandates. Uh, yesterday, uh, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki was responding to a reporter's question about the reason why President Biden is more cautious than others in moving past the pandemic and moving back to some form of normalcy. Uh, clip number two, please. He's basing his decision or on what the advice uh, of our health and medical experts continues to be, and the fact that they are continuing to evaluate and look at the data and the science, and that is a commitment he made to the American people at the beginning. Oh, there's so much to unpack in that. Uh, he's evaluating, or he's listening to those who evaluate the, the data and the science. So he's listening to Dr. Fauci, who, um, you know, still hasn't even acknowledged the role of natural immunity, which a new study came out. We talked about it last week or at the beginning of this week. Um, but I'm going to go back to the commitment he made to the American people at the beginning. Play clip number four, please. I'm going to ask the public for 100 days to mask. Just 100 days to mask. Not forever. 100 days. Uh, so much for commitments to the American people. Well, governors and other state leaders are not waiting. Yesterday, Virginia House Speaker Todd Gilbert said the state's House of Delegates would vote as soon as possible on a bill that gives parents the ability to allow their children to opt out of their school's COVID-19 mask mandate, something that the state's new governor, Glenn Youngkin, uh, tried to do in an executive order but was blocked from doing so last week by an Arlington judge. Joining me now to talk about the effort and where it stands, Virginia uh, is in the Virginia House, is State Delegate Dave LaRock. Dave, welcome to Washington Watch. Great to be with you, Tony. Uh, so you guys are taking the bull by the horns and uh, moving forward with this. Give us the status. We know there's a saying down here that we, we aren't always first, but we try not to be last. It kind of feels like we're last coming into this. Uh, so many people have realized that this uh, these masks are... If they were ever needed, they certainly aren't needed anymore. But uh, in a rare moment of bipartisanship, a bill came out of the Senate. I guess you know about that, uh, Senate Bill 379. And after Jeff Peterson, Senator Peterson, offered an amendment, that was a that was a real good uh, turn in the right direction. And uh, so the House um, 
amended a, a mask bill that was already in motion to be identical to the Senate's bill. That'll be before a committee tomorrow around nine o'clock. I'll, I'll, I'll be very uh, pleased to press yes in favor of that. And uh, it, then we'll be off to the governor. I, I guess he will sign that right away. Now, I don't think it becomes law until July, but I think it will send a very solid message and perhaps cause the school districts to realize that, that we're past the point where uh, they're making the decisions and that the, uh, uh, the parents are the ones that should be in charge. The governor made that promise on the campaign trail. He kept his promise uh, by uh, signing his first executive order, January 15th, uh, the day he was elected uh, to, to end this practice that was uh, put in place by uh, former Governor Northam and his health commissioner. So we're, we're moving in the right direction. I think we're gonna get it right here pretty soon. Well, Dave, I want to underscore what you you said about the Senate, because the Senate there in Virginia is still c- controlled by the, the Democratic Party. And so you it had is. to have Democrats to join this effort. And so you had uh, three Democrats uh, yep. who uh, joined in this effort to give parents the right to choose what their children would do. So I, I think that shows that this, as you said, is becoming really a nonpartisan issue. It's becoming an issue of protecting freedom rights and trying to get the society back to normal. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, back to normal is a phrase we toss around, and it, it's going to take a long time. But you know, subjecting these poor young kids, the, you know, they were out of school, missed a lot of uh, opportunity to be learning for a year because of the pandemic, and then to allow them back in school and uh, tell them they have to wear these this cloth across their face. You know, there, there's all sorts of detrimental effects, not the least of which is a, I, I think it's unsanitary and uh, cuts down their the flow of oxygen to their brains. Um, and it, it's just not a healthy thing to be doing. Uh, now in the county that I'm from, Loudoun County, um, the uh, superintendent has made it pretty clear that kids that come to school um, won't be allowed on school grounds, which is actually violates a, a law we passed last year uh, to get kids back in school, requiring that they be given a full-time in-person education. So there's a lot of legal uh, things in play here, a lot of court action, and uh, but we just need to, I think if we pass the, this bill tomorrow, we will be over the hump and the message will be clear that the will of the legislature has been expressed and that um, we'll, we're going to put masks in the rearview mirror, except for the people that want to wear masks. And right, that's right. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think this will send a strong message that those face diapers, that's a thing of the past, not doing it anymore, giving people the, the choice. What can we got a lot of a lot of listeners and viewers in uh, Virginia. What can they do to help out? Well, I, I have to say, Tony, I, I never like to miss a call to action, but I would say at this point they can thank the legislature for doing the right thing. I am quite sure the governor is going to sign that that bill as soon as he can. And uh, I think it's really, if you're going to encourage anybody, it would be to encourage your local school board. If they haven't gotten on, on board and, and, and uh, rescinded any policies they have requiring masks is to, this has become a, makes it completely a local yeah. issue. They're going to have to make that choice. And if your school board isn't there already, I would encourage parents to contact their school board and, and you know, help them wake up to this, the need to, to change any mandatory policies to uh, make it uh, a parental right, a parental decision, as it should have been in the first place. All right, uh, Dave LaRock, thanks so much for joining us and uh, appreciate your good work. Thank you, former Delegate Perkins. All right.
In fact, I had a really amazing experience years ago. I testified before a, uh, a House committee in the uh, in, in the Virginia Assembly when they were divided 50-50. There was a power sharing. And uh, the committee almost broke out in a fight. It was quite amazing. I thought Louisiana was rough. Anyway, coming up, uh, we're going to, again, highlight the atrocities committed by the Chinese Communist Party in our special segment, Human Rights on Ice. This time, we're going to be looking at the genocide of the Uyghur community. Stick around for that. Commissioner Nuri Turkel joins me next here on Washington Watch with uh, more. And then we're going to be talking uh, about education and how folks are saying we've got to make a difference. That's coming up later on Washington Watch. Don't go away. A lot more to come. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In Scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets, and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website is TonyPerkins.com. All right, since the start of the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing, which, by the way, is seeing historically terrible TV ratings, uh, we have been devoting a segment each day on Washington Watch to highlight some of the atrocities being carried out by the Chinese Communist Party. This is uh, today's segment on human rights on ice. Beijing 2022. Human rights on ice. 
Today, we're going to discuss the most talked about human rights violation that the CCP is committing. That is the genocide of the Uyghur minority. Uh, this uh, join me now to talk more about this is Nuri Turkel, who is a board chairman, the board chairman of the Uyghur Human Rights Project and also serves alongside me as a commissioner. He's the vice chair of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom. Nuri, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much for uh, having me on, Tony. So on Monday, the European Union bureau chief of uh, China Daily, a notable mouthpiece of the Chinese Communist Party, shot back at the U.S. Uh, Holocaust Museum for comparing the 2022 Olympics to the 1936 Olympics, which the Nazis used for propaganda purposes. According to him, there is no comparison between the Holocaust and the vocational training taking place with Uyghurs. What do you say? Well, uh, you know, uh, th- that's the best to have, uh, just to say, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, and they also use the words such as, you know, fake news uh, to push back. And they play also what about this card. But when you look at it seriously, uh, the similarities between 1936 uh, Winter Olymp- uh, Summer Olympics in Berlin uh, and Nazi Olympics uh, has been uh, described. And the Genocide Olympics in 2022 in Beijing, the similarities are striking. Uh, just like the Nazi Germany, uh, the Hitler uh, on the eve of this uh, international games, the Xi Jinping regime built an, an industrial-scale concentration camps, similar to the DACO that Hitler built. Xi Jinping is committing uh, or forcing Uyghur women to go through forced sterilization, uh, despite their uh, age. Uh, some middle-aged women have told me uh, personally that they went through forced sterilization. That's the same thing happened to the Jewish woman. Uh, uh, much like the Hitler did, uh, Xi Jinping regime also separated children from their parents. 800,000 Uyghur children reportedly been taken away from their family members. In fact, uh, Secretary of State uh, Tony Blinken's stepfather, Mr. Pisa, was one of those kids locked up in Hitler's uh, children's concentration camps. And also uh, something remarkably similar, uh, forced labor. Uh, the Hitler regime used forced labor to build uh, DACO. Even though we don't know that Xi Jinping used force labor to build uh, the concentration camps that has been reported, but we do know that uh, forced labor practices uh, uh, with the complicit effort by the uh, business community have polluted the global supply chain with the uh, products, consumer products made by uh, Uyghur slaves, uh, including our own country that remains to be the largest destination for Xinjiang exports. So that, those are the facts. Uh, these Chinese individuals either face the reality, they have an open relationship with the fact, with the truth, or try to do the right thing uh, that will stop tarnishing their countries and their people's image, just like the way that Hitler did to the German people. Now, Nuri, I know there's probably several factors, but, uh, you know, it's not just the skiers that are going downhill. So are the ratings for NBC. Uh, we saw the lowest viewership in history of the opening night. Um, I would have to think, with all of the attention given to their human rights abuses, the Uyghurs included, that that's having an effect upon people viewing the Olympics and how they're treating the Olympics. Well, Tony, that's an excellent reminder that consumer activism, whether uh, you buy products, uh, slave-made products uh, in our stores, or viewer activism uh, when it comes to the TV rating. The major TV outlets rely on their, uh, they, they depend on their revenue. Uh, the revenue is generated depending mostly by, by how much advertisement deals they got. 
So the, the close to 50% drop in NBC's um, uh, viewership speaks volume. I was talking to a Canadian uh, colleague uh, who serves in the Canadian government yesterday, and he was telling me that the uh, CBA, uh, uh, also uh, CBS, Canadian uh, state-run uh, major outlet, is also experiencing a similar uh, drop in the viewership. So when we speak out um, uh, in defense of people uh, who have been subjected to genocide because of their religion and because of their ethnicity, when we try to hold business um, uh, leaders, uh, business community for their complicity, and when we call out uh, IOC that shows a disturbing display of affinity to dictators, authoritarian regime throughout the history matters. It's our moral obligation. And that's what we do as free people. That's what we do as a free society, to speak out. So, so the status quo is untenable. The, now the focus should be, what, how can we do to prevent, what can we do to prevent the next genocidal regime to use this kind of international games right. that's supposed to promote friendship, uh, spirit, the human spirit, uh, not the genocide, uh, normalization of the genocidal behaviors. You know, we've right. seen this all over again, 1936 Hitler, and then Tokyo, and then the Rome, and then uh, Beijing in 2008, and then the Sochi for Putin. At each and every one game ended up with a war. Should we worry about Xi Jinping invading Taiwan after this? Uh, that's a legitimate question for policymakers uh, and citizens of the free world to think about. And it will be yeah. very ugly. Olympics should not be used to whitewash the images of the um, of these totalitarian regimes that suppress their own people. Nuri Chertel, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you, Tony. All right. Good to see you, Nuri. All right, folks, stick with us. On the other side of the break, the Freedom Convoy in Canada is not only causing a stir up north, but it's, it's fueling the movement down here. We'll get an on-the-ground report from a Canadian trucker after the break. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. What is religious liberty and why should you care about it? Simply put, religious liberty is the freedom to choose your religious beliefs and to live according to those beliefs. Why should we care about this freedom? At Family Research Council, we care about religious freedom because we believe that it is an inherent human right that all governments have an obligation to protect. Tragically, not all governments do. Religious persecution is a tragic reality around the world that is not often acknowledged by the media even though attacks on people of all faiths continue to increase globally. In scripture, God calls Christians to pray and care for the persecuted church, the downtrodden, and those who cannot help themselves. 
Therefore, we must be advocates for those persecuted for their faith. To access Family Research Council's latest resources and to learn more about religious freedom and what you can do to help the persecuted, go to frc.org slash religious liberty. Attention university students, are you looking for an internship that will help you grow as a Christian leader and allow you to positively influence the culture? Then Family Research Council's internship program is for you. FRC's life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program will prepare and equip you for the next step in your professional journey. You'll enjoy a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training. All of these offerings were created to aid you in your personal and professional development. As an intern, you will have the opportunity to work side-by-side with our experts in policy, communications, event planning, and more. The real-world experience you gain will prepare you to pursue a career of influence and make a difference wherever God calls you. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. Canadian lawmakers are growing increasingly concerned with the economic impact of the Freedom Convoy that has rallied hundreds of big rig trucks and thousands of Canadians to protest the government's COVID-19 mandates. In fact, they're telling uh, conservatives in America just to be quiet and quit uh, encouraging them uh, there in Canada. Well, I, I think and the pushback by the demonstrators has gotten the attention of the Biden administration. It has them on edge as a third border crossing between the U.S. and Canada was blocked earlier today. Uh, here's a, a clip I played earlier of Jen Psaki responding to a reporter about the protest in Canada. We support peaceful protest, uh, but we have concerns when those protests turn violent. And certainly I think it's important for everyone in Canada and the United States to understand what the impact of this blockage is, uh, potential impact on, uh, on workers, on the supply chain, and that is where we are most focused. You know, I just love it. They throw in this, we're against violence. There's been no violence. There's been no violence whatsoever. These are people that are peacefully protesting these this government overreach. And again, as I said at the beginning, as I said at the beginning of the program, I can tell you how it can all go away. The trucks would go home. The supply chain would be revived. All of the stuff would be rolling as normal if these power hungry politicians would just say, OK, we realize we overreached. It's time to move on. They could make this thing go away tomorrow. Well, joining us now to give us an on the ground report is Canadian trucker Tim Norton from Rosemary, Alberta, who has been out there on Parliament Hill, that's home to Canada's federal government, for nearly, uh, I think, over two weeks now. Uh, Tim, welcome to Washington Watch. How are you doing today? I'm doing quite well. Um, Can you you, kind of give us a sense of what's happening there on the ground in Canada? Well, it's like a big, big Canada Day celebration. Except not quite as much of a party, I guess. Not near as, like, I mean, Canada Day party, there'd be a lot of drunks and it'd be a big mess down here from what I understand. But it's uh, it's not like that. Everyone's uh, together and everyone's visiting and the streets are clean and everyone's having a good time. And the police have been really good. We haven't had any trouble with the police. And 
there's no reason to have any trouble with them because there's nothing happening. It's just a big get together. So, so Tim, you're in your truck and you've been there for how long? Uh, it'll be two weeks, uh, Saturday. I got here two weeks ago, this coming Saturday. And, and how many others uh, would you say, how many others would you say are there? Trucks. Yeah. I think they said in the Ottawa area last, well, two weeks ago, Monday or Tuesday, that they said there was 150,000 trucks in the Ottawa area. What is your, and I say your, the movement, the, the, the Freedom Convoy, what is your objective? Well, I think the big, it started as uh, the mandates for the long-haul truckers that are coming back and forth from the States having to quarantine back in Canada for 14 days, but it's blown up from there to just freedom in general, like the overreach of the government and and the wasteful spending and... It's it's everything like the the, the governments of basically took over our lives, and it is not a free country anymore. I mean, as I watch this unfold, Tim, it kind of reminds me of uh, of of the the, the Tea Party, uh, not just the, the modern day Tea Party, but the, uh, the the Boston Tea Party, where people said, you know what, enough is enough, and they began responding. And this is kind of uh, what, and, and you have to correct me if I'm wrong. But it, it appears that the public is supporting what uh, the truckers are doing there in Canada. Oh, it's huge support from the public. I, I mean, there's, I've met people here that are, that are from my home county and, uh, like, around Brooks, Alberta. They came all the way over here in their vehicles as well. And people flew here. And there's people from all over Canada here. And uh, probably, well... The first weekend that we were here, there was 2.4 million people on Parliament Hill. Well, there's only 150,000 trucks in town, so you're dealing with you're dealing with 2.2 million other people that came to uh, to uh, basically voice their dis dis uh, discouragement with the way the government's running the country the last five years or four years. It's just gone downhill here terribly, and it's been. It's been before COVID. There's all sorts of government overreach going on in our lives all the time. It just gets more and more all the time. So, so Tim, uh, how long are you and your uh, trucker colleagues prepared to uh, to stand this to, to to take this stand? As long as it takes. Like I'm, I'm prepared to sit here for for a year. Doesn't matter to me. Like I'm not going anywhere. Unless they arrest us and seize our trucks, I guess if it comes to that, then I'm going to have to uh, pull out of here because I can't afford to lose my truck. But they've been threatening about that happening. But, you know, there's been threats and stuff happening ever since we got here. And and, uh, it's never really, never, never came out to be anything. Tonight, there's supposed to be a big raid on us tonight. But the... uh, Everyone says, just stay in your truck with the door, door locked in your sleeper and don't bother answering the door. They can't really do anything about it because we're not really illegally here. There's been lawyers yeah. and the, the big uh, justice minister said, yeah, you guys, like, they're not breaking the law. They're, it's, a, it's a peaceful protest. They have wrecked nothing. The streets are clean. They're feeding themselves. They're feeding the homeless. Uh, you really have nothing, no grounds to come and arrest the guys. So 
I think the the big push tonight they were thinking was they thought they'd maybe get us out of here before the weekend because on the weekend there's going to be another two million people here again on the weekend, and the, wow. the government is finally like they're falling apart. You know, they're fighting within the liberals and and they're all fighting and and we're fighting for our freedom. Like we're not. These guys are prepared. They're not going anywhere until this is over. Well, Tim, we appreciate uh, what you guys are doing there in Canada. It sparked uh, even more uh, push for freedom here in uh, in America. Everywhere. We have a, well, yeah, there's going to be a it's convoy kinda, going across America. Yeah, you betcha. Yeah, no, it's, they've been doing it in Australia, and the U.S. is going to do it now. I mean, they've been doing it already, right? They've had smaller convoys around, and... And where I'm from out in Alberta, they've had that Coots border locked up solid for the last week. I mean, they're letting stuff go through, but there's a there's thousands of people down at the Coots border. And the last three days, they've had the Ambassador Bridge completely blocked up here in Canada, coming between Detroit and uh, Windsor, Ontario. And now the, the big automakers and a lot of the big other companies are starting to get on the government and they're saying like they're losing billions of dollars a day with that with that bridge shut down I, I believe that that ambassador bridge is the biggest uh cross-border e- or commerce that, that is in canada in the states right and it's it's yeah, blocked but, with cars it, i mean it there's a few trucks go, there but they can all go it away it, it can all, all go away, away if on, they would yep if they, if they would pull, pull back on their mandates. That's exactly right. And, it's and uh, you know, some of my friends from home phoned me and said, well, they're dropping them in Alberta and Saskatchewan. When are you coming home? And it's like, I'm not coming home until it's across Canada. And yeah. some of the provinces are fighting pretty hard, and some of them aren't even talking. So, I mean, the people out here have been so good. They're feeding us good, and we're... It's, it's, uh, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. It's unbelievable. Well, I, I would agree. I, I'll have to be honest. I never saw, I never thought that Canada would fight uh, for freedom as much as you guys are right now. And it's about time because the overreach has been, oh, for sure. been building for decades. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I, like I said earlier, it's, it's not just the vaccine mandates. It's the overreach of all sorts of stuff. Like right. what really bothers me is we, we pay tax money to the government, and they, they they waste it on the on whatever they want, right? Yeah. You know. Well, so this is how we uh, make a difference: yeah. peaceful protest, I'm making our it. voices heard. And uh, yeah. you're doing just that, Tim. I got to go. I want to thank you for joining us, and uh, stay warm. And we'll be tracking your progress. Yeah, you betcha. Thanks a lot for the call. All right, Tim Norton, a uh, trucker up in Canada. You know, I tell you what, I. Frankly, was surprised at the, uh, the that, that Canada is pushing back because they've been they've just been so weak on so many issues. They've allowed their leftist government just to push them around. But finally, I think they reached a point, and uh, I, and I hope here in America we continue to push back on this and not just let these mandates go by with a whimper. They need to be crushed. They need to and, and the politicians who supported all this stuff. Now look. The initial wave, I understand. We didn't know what was going on. But, you know, after about the first 30, 60 days, enough was enough. And those who have seized this opportunity to exercise their power and control, uh, that needs to be remembered at the ballot box. Those politicians need to go away. And those political parties.
need to be uh, to be turned out that have used this as an opportunity to exercise unjust control and influence over the people. All right. Uh, we talked about this yesterday. FRC Action this week hosted events in North Carolina for those considering running for local office, especially at the school board level. We talk about that a lot. Well, yesterday we were in Raleigh and earlier today we were in Charlotte and uh, we were actually at uh, a church share, church, a Trinity Baptist and the senior pastor of the church, who is also vice president for the Association of Church and Ministries here at the Family Research Council, Dr. Mark Harris joins us. Uh, Mark, welcome back to the program. Well, Tony, it's great to be with you. All right, tell us uh, how, the, how the event went today, some of the highlights. Well, I, I would say that as I've, I've listened a little bit to the program today, I, I think the running theme of everything today would maybe be what you've said several times, folks have just decided enough is enough. And uh, we saw that happening uh, right here today uh, as folks came to the school board boot camp, uh, candidates uh, that are interested, people who are genuinely praying about whether or not to take the plunge and get involved. Um, it was an incredible day. Uh, we saw more than 100 folks uh, that had registered and came in this morning. And it, it was just amazing to see um, just highlights throughout the day, I think, uh, included, of course, as the worldview uh, information was presented and what a critical role that plays. Uh, candidates, again, were given great information of issues that they needed to be able to, to speak about uh, when they're out there uh, on the stump, when they're out there knocking on doors, meeting voters. Uh, and I, I really believe that folks left here today uh, better equipped than uh, they even imagined that they might be uh, before they came here. And I would probably say the highlight for me was uh, today with these folks all gathered here when they mentioned uh, at one part of the program today, listen, all of those of you that are seriously believe you are going to run for office, we want you to get up and we want you to come right here to the front. And we saw probably 75% of the people uh, that were in the pews stood up and came to the front, uh, making that kind of, of commitment that they were ready to, to get on board and ready to do something. So, so it was been an exciting day. Well, Mark, you're, you're certainly no political novice. You've been uh, a candidate for, for office. You've been involved in the political realm uh, in addition to pastoring. Um, have you seen this type of energy and commitment at this level before? Not so much. Uh, I mean, I think we've seen grassroots organized before, um, but this is um, this is almost like the Tea Party movement on steroids. Um, we saw a lot of things that people were involved in in 2010, obviously, uh, the backlash, if you will, to what was happening with Obamacare and the government overreach. But I think the thing that we've seen happen this time, particularly when it came to uh, the children and parents beginning to open their eyes to what was happening in the schools. I mean, it's almost kind of like the perfect storm. Uh, when COVID hit, so many of the schools shut down. They tried to go to the virtual learning. And I think parents, uh, whether they were forced to or for whatever reason, suddenly opened their eyes and became aware of what was coming out and what was happening 
through the education their children were receiving and then really what their children were not receiving. Right. And I right. think it just really raised the raised the bar and parents are demanding something different now. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, very quickly, last question before you got about 30 seconds left. You know, you're a pastor, you hosted this at your church. What would you say to other pastors about the moment in which we live in the worldview that you made reference to this conflict between worldviews? What should pastors be doing? Pastors obviously need to be preaching the whole counsel of God, uh, not cherry picking verses that they want to speak on that are most comfortable, but we need to be delivering the whole counsel of God because when we do that, we give the people in our pews the information that they need. We equip them to be able to stand and to speak in the public square. And we really awaken them and alert them to the issues that are so important. And then finally, I think as a pastor, we've got to lead by example. And it was very heartening today to see pastors that were here with some folks from their church who were considering running. We saw that from counties all over Western North Carolina today. Well, and we appreciate your example, uh, Dr. Mark Harris, for uh, leading the way as well. And uh, we encourage pastors to check out the Association of Church Ministries. Good to talk with you. Folks, thanks so much for joining us. And I would encourage you to check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're a pastor and like to know more about the ministry, go to FRC.org. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.